Uh, what a great morning we've had already. It's just great celebrating with the kids, isn't it? They did such a good job. And the youth, well done with the quiz. It's good. Uh, you didn't panic at the end there, so that's good. Um, and uh, this morning, uh, we are finishing a five-week series that we've been running through as a church here. We've been looking at the names given to Jesus. I'm sorry, this mic's a bit temperamental, turns out. See if that helps. Hopefully that helps. Okay, so we've been looking at the names given to Jesus uh, by the prophet Isaiah uh, 750 years before Jesus was born. He said that Jesus would be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And this morning we finish by looking at Jesus himself, the name that, that that encapsulates all of those other names within itself. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a bit of scripture this morning. Um, I might have to change mic. Otherwise, that's going to be pretty irritating for all you guys out there. Thank you, Paul. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at a piece of scripture which just uh, describes the story of Jesus' birth to us. But first, I just want to pray. Will you just pray with me real quick? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we're able to come together and celebrate your birth. And Lord, we just want to, um, as a church, we want to come to you uh, with open hearts this morning to receive what you have to say to us. Yeah, in Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read Luke 2, 1 to 20. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. It's the story we've just been talking about. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. That's the Christmas story that we're celebrating this morning. 
And Christmas is such a, a special time of the year. Like, you know the song, it's the most wonderful. Like, I love that, these songs, love this time of year. And we come to celebrate. And this year, for the first time, our, our little girl, she's, uh, she was one of the sheep up here. She's three and a half. And it's just kind of the right age that she gets and understands the concept of presence. You remember those times when you were younger and you understood like the excitement building and you would count down to Christmas and a week could feel like a lifetime, just wait for Christmas to come around. And it feels like really special because this year it feels like the first time she understands the, the concept of presence and they're already under the tree and to say that she's excited about what they could be and opening them is an understatement. And um, I don't know about you, but when you get older... I find that that excitement wears off. Like when you get older, do you know that excitement that you used to have when you were a kid when you couldn't contain it, you used to shake with excitement, thinking about what could be in your presence. But as you get older, really old, it wears off, doesn't it, Graham? Wears off, yeah. Um, wears off. And I don't know about you, but like I, I talk to like my mum every year and we have the same conversation and she's like, okay, what can I buy you for Christmas? And I'm like, Mum, I'm, I'm a 34-year-old man. I don't, I don't need anything, you know. But she wants to get me something. And if we're not careful, what happens is Christmas can be a time when we receive and buy people gifts that we're not really that interested in. But you see, Christmas was about one gift. That's what it's about. It's, about, it's Instead of a gift that we don't really need, it's about a present from God, a gift that you truly cannot do without. The greatest gift of all time, a baby. A baby. Delivered into the world in a little hamlet outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. A tiny, squirming bundle of joy. I'm gonna, I, I hope this baby's wearing clothes. I don't think it is. A little bundle of joy. Now, if you've ever held a newborn, you know that they're all little bundles of joy. There's something so special about holding a newborn, isn't there? Uh, but the truth is, is that this baby, not this one, you understand, don't get confused. The baby we're talking about was utterly unique and remarkable. 100% God, and yet human in its truest form. This baby was also named Emmanuel. That's another name that was given to this baby, which means God with us. And that's what happened that night in Bethlehem, that God came to be with his people in the form of a human a baby. C.S. Lewis said this to sum up the magnitude of what happened that night in Bethlehem. He said, once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our entire world. And that's what happened that night. This baby boy was truly incredible. God with us. I'm going to put this down because it's a bit weird now. That's what happened that night. And as I was thinking and preparing for this talk this week and thinking about what I felt God wanted me to talk about this morning, I wanted to think about the fact that this baby came. And what did the angel say to the shepherds? You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. We've got a tea towel here. And laying in a manger laying in a manger, thinking about the significance of this baby, the most important baby to ever be born, the most special of all babies, the saviour of the world, the Messiah, 
God in flesh. And yet, where was he born into? A stable. A stable. And, and now, I don't know if you guys have any childbirth stories. If you've had kids, everybody has their own story. But I know for a fact that it's certainly not an easy task. Giving birth to a child, it can be long. It can last for days. Can I get any amen? <laughs> Grueling pain. You can faint. You can go hours, even days, without eating properly, taking in fluids. It's not an easy task. I, I think it's hard for the women too, if I'm being honest. But I'm only joking. And, and the truth is, is that it's not an easy thing. Man, when our little girl Hannah was born, we, we didn't just have one midwife, we had two. We, we had a private room, we, we had a private bathroom, and we had more machinery and drugs, access to drugs than we'd ever had in our entire lives. We had a hot tub bath. Um, once I knew it wasn't for me, I got straight out. But we had a hot tub bath for Jenny. <laughs> And yet still, with all of these things, all of the comforts of modern life, all of these people who were experts in their fields, it was still such a crazy, scary ride having a baby brought into the world. It is this huge thing, having a baby. And yet here is God choosing to become man. And where does he choose to be born? He could have been born into the greatest most beautiful, lavish palace in all of history. He could have been born into a warm home, surrounded by midwives to care for him. And here's Jesus choosing to become flesh. And yet, he doesn't have a golden crib with the best orthopedic memory form mattress you could ever wish for. No, he chooses to be laid in a manger. Now, a manger, it sounds, I, I don't know about you, but it sounds like quite a romantic thing now. Now we sing it, away in. Right, we sing it, it sounds like a nice word. But a manger, let's just be real for a second. It's a, it's a feeding trough for livestock. Like, the Son of God is laid in this dirty, smelly, disgusting, covered in donkey slobber trough. That's where Jesus is laid. Wrapped in... Not fine linen or silk or beautiful garments, but in a cloth. Why would he do that? Why? Well, the truth is, is that this picture tells you everything you need to know about Jesus. It tells you everything you need to know about what his life would look like and his ministry would look like. Jesus said this when he became a man. He said, the son of man, that's him, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His entire life would be about being down in the dirt, in the muck with his people, loving them, serving them, healing, forgiving, caring. The baby born that night in Bethlehem was the best news the best gift that you could ever wish or hope for. He wasn't here for palaces or the riches that this world could offer. No, he was here for you because he loves you. The Bible tells us that every single one of us in all of history, every single person has sinned, has fallen short of the glory of God. 
We've done things and we continue to do things that are wrong towards God and towards other people around us. We put our selfish needs first, our own wants, our own needs above that of others. And when we do this, the Bible talks about it, what happens is it brings death and destruction not only into our lives but into the world around us. Sin causes hurt, pain, division, and as a result, the world is divided and we are divided from our relationship with God. Our hearts become numb and dirty and unclean, and as a result, we can be embarrassed by who we truly are inside. We think things like, if people knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. If people knew what goes on inside or what I think inside, then they would reject me. And we try and hide ourselves away. We try and put on a persona of who, people, who we think people want us to be. But the truth is, is that we know that our hearts are basically like that manger. Embarrassing. Spiritually speaking, our hearts are covered in donkey slobber. And I wonder if there's anybody in the room, if you could just wave your hand. If you would call yourself a house-proud person, if you were the person who would hate someone to come round and things to be untidy, to be a mess, anybody in here? Nobody, oh, great, a few people. But you know, like your worst nightmare would be if someone just dropped in, like impromptu visit, and, and you had like a, a mountain of dishes in the, in the kitchen that you weren't clean from the night before. Would you just be embarrassed, put your head in your hands sort of thing? And if you even know that people are coming around for dinner, like you spend all day cleaning. I'm just looking at my wife. She spends all day cleaning. It's the best when people are coming over. Because you want it to be great, right? You want it to be perfect. You want, when you've got guests coming, when you've got someone coming into your home, you want it to be right. But you see, the good news is, is that we have a God who, who is so holy, so powerful, so good, but the fact is, is that he's not scared and he's not worried about your mess. He doesn't mind the smell. Just like he was willing to be laid in a manger that night, he's sending out a message loud and clear to you this morning that I don't need you to be clean and perfect. You don't have to clean up your act. You don't have to clean up your ways. You don't have to deal with your addiction. You don't have to clean up your life because he loves you just as you are. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says this. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and I and knock. He says, if you hear me, if you hear my voice and you open up the door, I will come in and I will eat with you. And you can eat with me. Notice he doesn't say anybody here who sorts their life out who fixes everything, who tidies up, who opens up the cupboard door and puts all their problems in it, that person I'll come in. No, no, he says, anybody who hears my voice and opens up the door to your heart, I will come in. You don't have to pretend with him. You don't have to put on a persona. You don't have to quickly tidy up and shove all your problems away. He sees you just as you are and he loves you. And when you let him in, anybody who has ever responded to this message of hope, of this wonderful gift, 
Anybody who would call themselves a Jesus follower will tell you that when you open up the door and you let Jesus in, he is the greatest gift that you could have ever dreamed of or wished for. You will find that he makes you new. All of your shame and all of your sin is wiped clean and you find complete forgiveness in him. And he will bring you life and life to the full. When you welcome the Messiah into your heart, you will find, just as Isaiah prophesied 750 years before, that he is without a doubt the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. If you've never experienced this incredible gift, this is the perfect time of year for you to accept it. The greatest gift you could have ever wished for, Jesus. If you haven't received that gift, let me encourage you to open up your heart this morning. If you hear the knock, you just have to open up. Don't worry about getting your life sorted. Don't wait. Just open up your heart to him. Receive him this Christmas. That's why we celebrate the name of Jesus this morning. Why don't we just finish in prayer? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are the greatest gift of all time. Lord Jesus, I pray for everybody in this room right now. If they have never accepted you into their heart, would they say right now, Jesus, I choose to accept you. I hear you knocking. And I'm going to let you in. And I know that it doesn't matter what I've done, how bad it's got, how far I've gone, Lord, there is forgiveness completely in you. And I just want to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, please come and see me. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. And Lord, I pray for everybody else in the room. Lord, if we've been following you for a year or decades, Lord Jesus, that we would be reminded of the ultimate gift this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. What name could contain such a glory? In the cool breezes of Eden, brought from the infant earth, one arose, the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man. And as heaven waited short with bread, the creator spoke yet another, Eve, mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nation, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name could contain his glory? For he was mighty God, as the universe gasped into being, flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void 
to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth in him. He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves. When we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor. God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king. He who took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years, breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity, exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul renowned? For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting father, our prince of peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, the great I am. What name could contain the word of life, the light of the world, the king of kings, the Lord of all. We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. What name could contain such a glory? What name but Jesus? We cry Jesus. We cry holy is Jesus.